The following talk was given at Mile High Church in Lakewood, Colorado. Please visit our website at milehighchurch.org. I am grateful to be here this morning to uh, continue our conversation in our Adventure and Prosperity series. This uh, is a wonderful tradition we have here at Mile High Church to stop and to step into abundance and prosperity together for ourselves and for our church and for our world. And indeed, that is our theme for this year's Adventure and Prosperity, Keys to the Future. And we're looking at our lives, our church, our world, and looking at the different principles of prosperity that support us in that regard. We started with Edwin Gaines, our wonderful guest speaker, on May 5th, and that was a great contribution to us. And then we've continued on with a conversation last week about the, the, no, the notion of the divine, this divine presence that expresses in, through, and as all things, and that we need to engage in a consciousness of abundance around everything in our lives by understanding that God is the source. And today, my topic is is freeing ourselves. Once we understand that we live in an abundant universe, in a limitless universe, where spirit is the source of all the good that we ever may desire, whether it's financial good or opportunities or stepping into wonderful abundant relationships or health or well-being, we have to learn to free ourselves into that living stream of energy and consciousness that pours through all of creation. And so today we're talking about ways to do that. There's a story about the wonderful escape artist, Harry Houdini. Now, this story was made popular back in the 70s, mostly by the wonderful motivational speaker Zig Ziglar. In looking at the story again, there's a lot of controversy on the internet about if it actually happened or not, and I decided to tell it because it's a wonderful metaphor, even if it didn't happen, for what I think is going on and for about this way that we can free ourselves more effectively. So Harry Houdini was able to escape from anything that he was put in, jails, he was locked in chains, he was put in boxes and in underwater and all sorts of things, and he met every one of those challenges by escape. And the story indicates that there was a, a particular town in, in England that challenged Harry Houdini and said that their jail, was, uh, he could not escape from it. So Houdini decided to take them up on it and he went to that town and uh, they put him in a jail cell. He was in his street clothes. They closed the door of the jail cell and they left and he was there all alone to make his escape. And he apparently pulled the little tool that he had out of his belt and began feverishly working on the lock to escape. And he worked, and he worked, and he worked, and he was finding this lock was particularly difficult to unlock for some reason. And he was getting more and more desperate. He was kind of sweating. He was, he was frustrated because he knew that he was taking much more time than he thought. And he began to imagine he may never get out of this jail cell. And that was a shock to him. And all of a sudden, in exasperation, he leaned forward and put his head on the door. And the door just popped open. <laughs> and what he discovered is that it had never been locked in the first place. That metaphor seems to be, for me, what I think is the truth about each one of us as we make attempts to free ourselves into the stream of energy that is God. We've got all these stories about how the door's locked, 
We've got all these stories about the boxes that we're in. Leaning forward caused me to get my hair in my face. Um, We've got all these stories about our limitations and what's not possible. And all the while, because we live, move, and have our being in an abundant universe, in God, in source, the doors of possibility have never been locked and will never be locked for any of us. I know that's not how it feels to us, though. And the only reason that's true is because we have spent a lifetime building up constructs of stories that we have believed about our limitation. In order to unlock them, there is this, this, this proverbial leaning forth to begin to understand that, that none of that is real that we've been making that up, that what is real is that we live in an abundant universe where things are possible just by who we are, where we can step fully into them. We can step fully into them in our life at any time. And indeed, I would say that the first point that I have for us today is that the doors of good are flung open wide to us. The doors of good are flung open wide. How do we lean forward into that and free ourselves to experience them? So the truth is that in our teaching, of course, we teach people about our belief systems. We teach people that what we believe is, is the genesis of our experience and that we can change our beliefs and change our life. And it seems like a very simple proposition as we encounter it, and I'm sure that many of us are here because we already believe that, or we're willing to explore that, or if it's your first time, you may may not be sure about that, but the reality is that we believe here in this teaching, in this community, and help people to work with their belief systems to change their life. But What I find in working with myself and others around this theory and this idea, I have found it to be true in my life, and I've also found that sometimes what I really believe, what I really believe, is a little bit elusive to me because it lives in the deep awareness of my mind. Our founder, Ernest Holmes, said it like this from his book, The Science of Mind, which we commonly call the text. He says, whatever we think, act, Believe in, feel, visualize, vision, image, read, and talk about. In fact, all processes which affect or impress us at all are going into our, the subjective state of our thought, which is our individualized use of universal mind. Whatever goes into the subjective state of our thought tends to return again as some condition. So we, and we alone, control our destiny. We, and we alone, control our destiny. And we believe that. The master teacher Jesus is reported to have said in the Gospels, as ye believe, it is done unto you. And teachings prior to the life and work of Jesus also indicate very powerfully that humanity has understood for eons that we are a factor in our experience. We contribute to the experience that we're having. And so part of the work that we do here is to get to clarity about our belief. We step fully in and choose to look at our belief systems, at our thought patterns, at our our conditions of our lives, at the things that have happened in our lives. And in, in that regard, sometimes it's pretty easy to go, oh, here's my experience, therefore this is what I've been thinking about, let me change that thought. 
but other times. And I find that in the places where I am most passionately wanting to express, I find myself a little bit frustrated at times. Ralph Waldo Emerson used to say, you must get your bloated nothingness out of the way. (laughs) And it's usually in that little area, my bloated nothingness, this this bloated part of me that is in my way, that, that is some belief or idea or construct or experience that I've had, sometimes that I don't even consciously remember. It's buried deep in, as Ernest Holmes says, the subjective state of things. And yet it persists in being my reality. And I persist in anchoring it. And I often am fond of saying that I know when I've reach one of those places of bloated nothingness because I can tell when I don't get what I want, what comes out of me is that bloated nothingness. It's that anger, frustration, fear, upset, victimhood over and over again. I didn't get what I wanted. I want what I wanted and it didn't happen. And so when we understand this, we begin to take a look at the first part of today, our lives in a more comprehensive viewpoint to begin to encounter consciously, look at consciously that deeper stuff that keeps us from the experience that we would truly like to have. And often it is truly subjective, subconscious in the deeper mind that there are realities and belief systems and deep experiences that are having their way with us. And we know this because of a couple things. We know this because we look at our life and we see the result and we feel like there's some disconnect. I don't remember ever believing in that yet here you are again, you know, I don't believe in lack and limitation and yet I don't seem to have what I want happening in my life. And so our reality shows us, okay, there's a belief going on. I'm not getting what I want and there's frustration that arises. Okay, there must be some belief going on. And oftentimes it's also the more desperate that I am to have what I want to have. We don't sometimes understand that as I am approaching the good that I want, if I'm saying I want more of that, some good in my life or some good in the world, but I've got this deep attachment to it's got to be this way. I must have love. That's really attractive, isn't it? I want you to be in my life right now, you know? People might run from you. (laughs) Yet we approach things in this desperate way. The world must change. My finances must change. My health must change. With this desperation, again, fear, deep emotionality, anxiousness, and all of that remains intact as the bloated nothingness and we create from that. And therefore, we just get more and more and more of that. Because life says, as you wish, my beloved. It's not just that I had a nice thought. It's the energy with which I have that thought that is also part of what I will create. And so what we do here to help people to change their lives is to help them change their thinking in a real and meaningful way. So we offer constant services like this and classes to really invite people to shine the light upon those things without attachment to let go of our attachment. And it may sound a little bit like a paradox. 
Like I can be passionate about what I want to create in my life, but not have attachment. How is that so? It is because we come from a place of trust and understanding in the way that life works and in the way that we work that we can begin to approach things and look at things and shine the light that God is upon those things. Now, what I also have discovered about the things that mean the most to me that I have the most rising energy, the most bloated nothingness about, is that I need help. We persist often in believing that there is, it's somehow weakness to need help, that it's a weak thing to need help. But in terms of abundance principles and in terms of transformation at the most meaningful level, I have discovered in my life, when I want to change something or up-level something, I most often need help. I need a, a person who can talk me through it. I need someone to mentor me. I need a teacher. I need a counselor. I need some kind of support. But there's something also that's part of the collective bloated nothingness that lives here in America uh, that we feel that to need help is somehow to show weakness. And yet, how can we possibly not be open to receivership of help and support in some way, shape, or form, and then ask constantly for money, or good, or change, or transformation. We have to be receivers of the good that is flowing through us all the time and free ourselves into it by being willing to do our most holy sacred work and most often in the places that are the most meaningful for us, we need help and support. I worked for a, a company once that was a counseling company and their motto was, you, you know, no one can do it for you and you can't do it alone. And so we come together in community to support ourselves in doing this deep transformational work and getting that bloated nothingness out of the way and stepping forward into our life in the fullness of who we are. Now just take a moment with me to imagine what our, our life and our world would be like if people got their bloated nothingness out of the way. I imagine that people would live in a state of love and respect and honor for themselves and each other. We would see greed falling away. We would see attachment to taking things that are not ours. We would see integrity rise, love rise. We would see connection rise. And we would see a lot of the things that bother us about the world fall away. And while we want that for the world, each one of us has to be willing to enter into that kingdom for ourselves, to do that work ourselves, to be willing to heal the past. And we talk a lot about how to do that. And we have a lot of ways that we do that. Forgiveness is probably one of the best ways. And we, Edwin Gaines talked about that beautifully, letting go of resentments, because we begin to understand that, see, we don't get to have it both ways. We don't get to spend day after day after day hating, criticizing our body and trying to do all the right things with food and diet and then have good health. It doesn't work that way. 
The hate and the criticism and the dislike wins out because it's an energetic that's underneath the service. It's part of the bloated nothingness. We don't get to continue to persist in our beliefs that we're not good enough, we're not lovable, no one likes us, we can't do it, we aren't enough, and then present ourselves to the world and have meaningful, powerful relationships, work opportunities, or be an attracting place for financial abundance. Because that belief in unworthiness that persists, it wins out. We don't get to have it both ways. We get to have it, the seat of consciousness that is within us wins out. And so we understand this and we step forward to do this work. And when I say we don't have to do it alone and we must be willing to get help and support, I'm talking today also then about some of the things that we have here at our church that are meaningful. And I want to speak today about the brilliance of Ernest Holmes in terms of our church in the discovery and the licensing and the putting forth of this holy sacred place in our community called practitioners. I've often had people say, what do those people do? What is a practitioner prayer partner? Well, for one, they practice this teaching. They dedicate their lives to practicing what we're talking about every Sunday here to the best of their ability on behalf of their life and on behalf of the lives of of our congregation and indeed our world. They practice it through living it out, talking about it, and they practice through prayer because what we understand prayer to be is not something that we do that changes God or gets God to bring us the goodies. In fact, that sometimes causes such a dissonance between us because when we don't get what we want, rather than looking at ourselves, we'll often look out there at some invisible being and say, why won't you give me my goodie? I want my goodie. And life says, you got to be the goody, baby. (laughs) you got to be it. You know, we don't get what we want. We get what we are. We get what we are. And so when what we are continues to be fear and criticism and and, uh, lack and limitation and unworthiness and, and a sense of disconnect and not enoughness, that's what we get more of. And so what these practitioners are charged to do in this holy, holy office that Holmes created is to stand with us in that place of oneness and use this powerful tool of prayer to support us in seeing the wholeness that we really are and looking, examining from an objective place that bloated nothingness. And think about that. That may seem crazy or challenging or hard, but think about if I stood before you, those of you who know me already and love me and support me, and said to you, oh, I'm really struggling in this area, I'm not seeing myself as good enough or lovable enough or whatever it might be, isn't it one of the easiest things when you love and admire someone and you see the truth of them and they can't see it for themselves to stand as witness to their truth? It's one of the most loving, holy things to do. To say to someone, I know you're not seeing the truth about you right now, but, but trust me, it's there, I see it. I can look you in the eye and say without any reservation, you're magnificent, you're beautiful, you're capable, I love you, I support you, and you are God in form. And so our practitioner prayer partners, 
That's what they do. They do it from that holy, prayerful space. They stand with us. They can help us if we have more time with them in a session to explore what is the background that causes me to have this belief, what might be contributing. Because sometimes when that bloated nothingness is deeply in the subjective and is having its way with us, we need someone to ask us some good questions. What is contributing to this? Are there some things or some beliefs or some ideas? And together working through that so then they can stand with us and speak the truth on our behalf into the field of oneness that we all share and we can begin to dislodge some of those beliefs in a very disciplined way. There's a, a concept, and I'm, I'm sorry, Don, to our interpreter, I didn't use this in the first service, so it's a Japanese word, girl. Good luck with it. <laughs> but it's an image, it's a word called, let's see if I can even say it, kintsukuroi, to repair with gold. It's the art of repairing pottery with gold or silver lacquer and understanding that the piece is more beautiful for having been broken. The peace is more beautiful for having been broken. That's you. That's me. We all have this bloated nothingness that has its way with us, that gets in the way of our ability to see ourselves in the true light of who we are. And we all need each other to be able to to work together. The gold that, that we get is the gold of someone standing in witness to us, standing with us. I have a prayer partner. I pray with her just about every week. And when I bring stuff to be prayed about, what I notice immediately is that when I've handed it over to her, I feel this relief, like, okay, someone, someone's praying for me. Step number one. I let go of my attachment. And then I feel the confidence and the love of knowing that she is praying on an ongoing basis. And if I'm busy trying to pick it back up, I can take a deep breath and go, nope, nope. I know someone's praying for me. And then the holy sacred work and consciousness that is being done to affirm my good begins to have its way. And I have experienced countless times of transformation in meaningful ways because I've been willing to be vulnerable, to get help and support, to reach out and let someone walk with me. And I want us to know about this as a community. I want us to do this holy, sacred walk together, to utilize those practitioner prayer partners. They are, as many of you know, available every Sunday morning. They come down here. They're always wearing those stoles. They're available for us to go up to them, no cost, no obligation, no nothing, just to have a prayer time with them, to let someone walk with us. We can do it at the prayer counters in the lobby, write out a prayer request if we don't feel like going up to someone personally. We can set a time to go sit with them privately for a a private session. Our prayer and care center has associates that make themselves available throughout the week on a love offering basis for us to go and do this holy, sacred work. We get support. We learn the places where we are most vulnerable and we free ourselves. And just like Harry Houdini, we let that door open wide so that the truth can pour through us. 
the light can pour through us. And then as we go out into our world and everything we do and everything we are, the places that are meaningful for us to go forth and make a difference and be a change agent, we are a person of increase. Whether it's our work or some cause that we care about, we understand that in terms of our world, that our willingness to free ourselves into abundance is inspirational to others and causes others to be willing to do this themselves. And so we realize that as long as we're looking out at people and the world and criticizing and making wrong and judging and complaining and gossiping and constantly feeling this angst, that we're, we're lifting that stuff up. But when we free ourselves to the limitless abundance, it's not that our lives become these perfect things where we never have a problem again. It's just that the problems we have, we know we can deal with them because we've got a system, and a way to be supported. And it's not that we don't look out there and see things in people that we don't agree with. It's just that we understand the nature of God is such that we can live on this planet in love and respect for every other being and see that we don't always see eye to eye on things and walk forward in trust of the divine and be a person who's constantly calling forth the greatest ideas for our good. This is how we transform our world. When I was in high school, I know it might surprise some of you, I was the president of the Optimist Club. <laughs> and uh, yeah, <laughs> it was kind of my, my thing, right? And we did wonderful service work in the world, and I recently got to go to a local Optimist uh, event with adults, and they are continuing the beautiful work of the Optimist Club that I experienced in high school. But I wanted to close today with Christian D. Larson, who was a New Thought teacher's uh, work called Promise Yourself. It is the creed of the Optimist Club. And I offer it today for us to realize that as we free ourselves more fully, we can live from this place in a way that can make a difference, a meaningful difference on our planet. So here it is. Promise yourself to be so strong that nothing can disturb your peace of mind, to talk health, happiness, and prosperity to every person you meet, to make all your friends feel that there is something special in them, to look at the sunny side of everything and make your optimism come true, to think only of the best, to work only for the best, and to expect only the best to be just as enthusiastic about the success of others as you are about your own, to forget the mistakes of the past and press on to the greater achievements of the future, to wear a cheerful countenance at all times and give every living creature you meet a smile, to give so much time to the improvement of yourself that you have no time to criticize others, to be too large for worry, too noble for anger, too strong for fear, and too happy to permit the presence of trouble. This is who we can be in our world if we allow ourselves to be and do that. Thank you for listening to the Mile High Church podcast. This podcast is made possible by the generous contributions from listeners like you. If you'd like to make a donation, text 720-230-1404 or visit us at milehighchurch.org.